we may or may not have heard of the account in Luke chapter 1 where the angel Gabriel visits Mary and tells her that she will become pregnant with the Messiah. What's cool to note here is that Gabriel is also the same angel to give the prophet Daniel prophecies specifically connected to the Messiah and the Messianic age hundreds of years before this. The angel that gave prophecies regarding the kingdom of the Messiah is the very same one who shows up again to declare that those messianic prophecies are finally going to come true through the announcement of the baby that would be born to this girl named Mary. Now Mary is a teenage girl, a maiden, most likely around 14 years old. She's living in Nazareth and is betrothed to a man named Joseph, who we learn also lives in Nazareth. Betrothal in this time period was kind of like, kind of like engagement before marriage, but it was also taken a lot more seriously that, than engagement might be seen today. Back then, a betrothal was seen in more legal terms than being engaged is today. In other words, Mary and Joseph were legally committed to each other and were considered husband and wife contractually in every way except in consummation of their marriage and living together. In fact, Luke is very specific about Mary being a virgin. It wasn't just implied. It was vital to the rest of the account. We also learn that Mary is betrothed to Joseph, and Joseph is in the bloodline of the great King David. The fact that Jesus will be Joseph's legal son is important to his fulfillment of the prophecy that God gave to King David about a never-ending kingdom in 2 Samuel 7. Gabriel shows up and declares to Mary, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. The phrase greetings or rejoice, favored one, are all very similar and thus connected. Gabriel is essentially greeting Mary by outright telling her that God is showing grace upon her, and for that reason, she should find joy. This angelic visit and the message she is about to be given are all based on God's grace upon her, and not because of who she was. Mary was then comforted by the phrase, the Lord is with you. Because of what will follow next, if I were Mary, I would be incredibly grateful to have heard those words, the Lord is with you. Now Mary was chosen out of all the women who would ever live to carry and bear the Messiah. But you also may be going through a difficult and scary time right now. Find your rest and your peace in those same words, the Lord is with you. He knows what you're going through. He knows how you're feeling. And if you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and King, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you and reminding you of this fact too. If you've trusted in Jesus for your salvation and eternal life, the Holy Spirit is reminding you that you are a child of God and the Lord is with you. Luke then tells us that Mary is perplexed, or depending on your translation, you may see the word troubled, or confused and disturbed. What's inter interesting about this word is that it is only used once in the entire New Testament, combining two Greek words to produce a word meaning intense distress. 
intense distress. Now, teenagers are marked by a lot of intense distress, or they make it seem so sometimes, but this teenager was so intensely distressed, not by the fact that there was an angel in the room with her, but by the way he greeted her. Here she was, an inhabitant of an insignificant town called Nazareth, poor, seeing her entire life as a second-class citizen because she was female, and she was only 14 years old. Yet, here stood in front of her a supernatural being sent from God, telling her that God favored her. She was most likely thinking, what in the world is he going to say next? And do I really want to know? I'm sure Gabriel can see this intense distress all over Mary's face. So his very next words are, don't be afraid. I love those words. Don't be afraid. Those words show up a lot in the Christmas story in the Bible. To Mary here, to Joseph when he's not sure if he should marry Mary, and to the shepherds in the fields minding their own business, don't be afraid. Gabriel also said, don't be afraid, about six months prior to this experience with Mary, uh, to the husband of Mary's cousin, a priest named Zechariah, before he gave the message about John the Baptist's conception and who he would be. Whereas Zechariah was overcome with fear at the very appearance of an angel. Mary is more troubled that an angel would visit her of all people, and her mind immediately assumes the worst. Why are you here? What are you going to tell me? Gabriel then reiterates, this isn't bad. God is honoring you, in fact. In other words, Mary, I can see what you're thinking, but don't worry. You haven't done anything wrong, and this is not a visit to proclaim doom and gloom on you. In fact, what I'm about to give you is the most fantastic news you could ever hope to hear. And what is this fantastic news? Well, firstly, that she would conceive and give birth to a son named Jesus. But that's not the unbelievable news. What would be unbelievable is this from Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33. It says, he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. We learn four things about who this son named Jesus would be. Number one, he will be great. A similar prophetic adjective is given by Gabriel to the priest Zechariah about John. But what is next is where Jesus will differ from anyone else that has ever existed. Number two, he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now this is cool. Most High was used to translate the Hebrew description of God, a lion, or God Most High. In Jewish philosophy, the son of a father was thought of as embodying the characteristics of the father or being basically a carbon copy of the father. So right here, Gabriel is declaring to Mary that her son will be the embodiment of God Most High. Number three, the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. Gabriel is saying, remember that prophecy a long, long time ago, Mary, when God promised David that he would have an eternal kingdom? Well, that will be your son's kingdom. Your son will be the fulfillment 
of that promise. And number four, he will rule over Jacob's house or the nation of Israel forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Ending with this declaration, Gabriel is essentially announcing that Mary's son will be the fulfillment of Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, which says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Right here, Gabriel is declaring to Mary who Jesus is. God Most High himself, and the king whose kingdom will last forever and ever. We also know from other prophecies that Jesus will also be the Messiah, and the prophesied suffering servant who would die for our sin and rise again. When the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary and Jesus is conceived, all of these prophecies including what Gabriel declares here, are fulfilled. And someday, Jesus will return as king and fully claim his kingdom here on earth. Mary's response is full of faith. Upon finding out how all of this is going to happen, all she says to Gabriel is this, I am God's servant. May everything God wants to do in my life be the way that he wants. Now that is a faith-filled statement, isn't it? May our response to hearing about Jesus this Christmas be one of faith as well. I am God's servant. May everything God wants to do in my life be the way that he wants. Jesus is not only the reason for the season we're in right now, but he's the reason for every season every year, every day for the rest of our lives. If you haven't come to God in repentance and taken Jesus as the Savior for your sin and the King over your life, do so right now. And may all of us respond in faith to everything Jesus has called us to right now into this coming new year and for the rest of our lives. God gave the greatest gift he could ever give to us, Jesus. Jesus is God as Savior and as King. May our focus of our hearts on that simple truth, and may we focus our hearts on that simple truth every day. Jesus was born, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus is coming back. That is our only hope, both at Christmas and for all of eternity. As we close out our time this evening, we, we, we like to end our Christmas Eve service uh, the same way we do every year. It's our tradition. Hopefully everybody got a candle. Did everybody get a candle? Hold them up so I can see them. All right, so I know that you know what I'm talking about. Okay, if you twist on the bottom of them, the light will come on. That will touch the batteries together inside, and that will light them up. <clears throat> This is the safest way we can have everybody having candles right now, especially those under this 
height. <laughs> um, so uh, in, in a minute, uh, the lights are going are, are gonna to dim in here, and we'll just be singing Silent Night, uh, that timeless Christmas hymn, together uh, just by candlelight. Uh, so please stand with me as, as 